You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Dave Ammons. Good morning, Cathedral. That's what I'm talking about. Man, I'm going to tell you right now, the presence of God is in this place. Amen? Man, that was, I think that was a good word for somebody of, man, he, he's not done with you yet. He is not, not only is he not done with you yet, I'm going to give you one more statement of that. He's just starting. And I think some of you guys need to believe that statement. Maybe some of you guys might even need to write that statement on a card or on your mirror or something and just tell yourself every day until you actually start living it out. Because God's not done with you yet. Aren't you glad that 2024 is here and we're still breathing? Amen? Amen. Right there. Yeah, you can clap. It's okay. We're in church. It's a happy day. It's a happy day. And uh, I'm excited to be here. I'm, I, I love the beginnings of years. I love just everything that God does in our life. Uh, we're in a pretty exciting season of the church uh, matter of fact, we are a couple days into our 21 days of praying and fasting. Uh, yeah, yeah, you guys are killing it, and uh, just want to give you a, a few thoughts around that. You see, praying and fasting has been a part of Cathedral from day one. I mean, from day one, our founding pastors, Pastor Mike and Miss Dean, uh, they took time and said, you know what, we're not starting this thing until we set this thing up straight until we set this thing up right, which is we're going to stop and we're going to pray. We're going to stop and we're going to fast for this thing. And aren't you glad that they stopped and prayed and fasted and God called them to Charleston, South Carolina? Amen. It's a part of cathedral. It's a part of the culture of cathedral. Uh, six years ago, we decided to take it up just another notch, take it up a whole nother level. And six years ago, we started incorporating 21 days of praying and fasting. And every single year, we have been doing so. And what I love about it is I get a chance to see the light bulb go off in your life. The light bulb that I'm talking about is God getting a lot louder in your life. Because all throughout the year, there's plenty of opportunity for people to speak things over us, for us to give in to the thoughts that we shouldn't say yes to. But for 21 days, we turn the volume down. And God does this crazy thing and continues to do what he's been doing the whole year. The only difference is that we actually hear him. And he begins to do things in your life. He begins to resurrect things in your life. He begins to speak, surely that dream is not still alive, Lord. Oh, it is. And God comes alive during these 21 days. And so I invite you uh, to really be a part of it uh, every single morning. Well, actually, this year we're doing a little bit different. I'll actually explain. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, we're right here in this room, 6.30 to 7.30. We'll end that thing sharp on, on time for you because we realize that you guys have jobs to do. You've you, you got to drop off kids, and so we will honor your time in that way. But Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, we're going to be here live in the room. But if you can't make it live in the room, we understand that there's things that kind of take you uh, away from this. Then we offer our online, which, by the way, everybody who's joining us online, thank you so much for being here, and Happy New Year to you. Matter of fact, I hadn't said Happy New Year to y'all. Happy New Year. Oh, y'all can do a little bit better than that. Happy New Year, Cathedral. It's the first Sunday of the year. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. 
Some people ask, they say, Dave, what's the deal with the 21? Why why do we do 21? Uh, It comes out of an Old Testament book of the Bible. It comes from the book of Daniel. And Daniel finds himself backed into a corner. Uh, He really kind of sees no way out. The enemy is wreaking havoc. And what he does is he decides to do something different. He says, you know what? I'm going to pause I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast. And he does so for 21 days. And at the end of those 21 days, we see literally the heavens open up. And if it wasn't for God acting in his life, he would have not been able to not only receive the freedom that he got at the end of those 21 days, he met his need, he rebuked the enemy, and he got promoted in the process. How many of you guys want that in your own life? That's exactly what we believe for over these 21 days is that the same thing, because guess what? I know you're going through stuff. I know you're believing that this year is going to be a different year, that there's got to be something more to this year. Surely, God, you have something better, and he does. And that's why we do the 21 days of praying and fasting. And I read a study recently that I found pretty interesting, and here's what it says. They actually estimate that over 90% of people in churches do not have an active prayer life. Does that shock y'all? Over 90%. Well, I am proud to report that that stat is not true in cathedral. In fact, it's a lot lower, and every single year that we participate and bring around 21 days of praying and fasting, that stat gets lower and lower, and I can prove it because of y'all's participation. Every single year, one of my prayers, in fact, I'll give it to you just so you can see how audacious it is. I love giving God prayers that just seem impossible because don't you know our God specializes in the impossible? Amen? But every year I pray, God, would you make 21 days bigger? Would you have more people participate? Would you have more people experience you possibly for the first time? In fact, here is my prayer. My prayer is this every single year. God, I want more than 100% of people participating in 21 days of prayer. So, Dave, how in the world are you getting over 100%? That means all of y'all are participating, and your friends in the city of North Charleston hear about it as well. And the overflow, there's this overflow splash effect of, I don't know what's going on, but I want to be a part of it, and they begin to come. They may never actually step foot in this building. They may actually come to a 21-day of prayer before they ever sit in one of these seats on a Sunday. That's my prayer. And I believe in my lifetime I will see that, 100%. So y'all keep making that prayer as hard as possible. Invite your friends. Keep growing this place. We grew over 17% this this past year. And I credit none of that to myself or to this incredible team that we have. I credit every bit of that to God and to prayer because he's doing something this year. He's been doing something in our lives constantly. But I just feel so specifically that God is up to something special in our lives. You know, we have this thing around here, uh, you'll see and hear a lot of people say, pray first. Pray first, and that's really an important part of our culture here at Cathedral. Matter of fact, we have these bracelets that so many of you guys wear, and if you don't have one, we got them out in the front, clean me out, make me order more. I'd, I'd love to do it. Love for you to wear these, but this whole pray first process is, here's what it is. It stems out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, and it simply just tells us this, which is to pray without ceasing. We want to pray without ceasing. Another way to say this is this, is that prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. And that's exactly what 21 days of praying and fasting is. And so I invite you guys, 
Come, show up. And I tell people this all the time, that if you can, and it's within your power, show up live. It is always going to be better than the online experience that we can deliver. And here's the reason why, is when you're in a room full of people, over 100 different people coming up in here in the morning, and you've got a group of people who are believing and, and praying together, standing firm, calling out the things that God is placing in their life, it's just powerful. Way more powerful than you and I in our living rooms. Nothing against it. I love that we get to, to, to do that. And if you can't do so, if you can't be here, then take advantage of that online. The best thing is to participate. But I encourage you, show up live if you can. All right? Oh, and also by the end, we've had this question of uh, baptism. We celebrate, we have a very special service the third weekend in January. It's going to be on the 21st this year. And in that service, we will have Baptism Sunday. And so as God is just doing amazing things, so many of you guys request to have that. And so if you're interested, I think they have the information behind me. Please reach out. We'd love to have you a part of it. It's a celebration like you've never seen. All right. Let's dive in today. Y'all ready? I got a message that I'm just very passionate about and that I feel like is just a really, really good word for you. Uh, if you were here uh, the week before Christmas Eve, I did a message that I entitled a uh, Christmas Nativity. And here's the premise of the message. Years ago, there was a pope over in Italy and he created the first live nativity. And the same thing is true if you have a nativity in your house, the same thing is true in my house, that they're all built and constructed the same way. Baby Jesus is in the center of the nativity, and all of the other figures in this scene are looking at one direction. They're looking at this baby. They're looking at Jesus. Jesus is in the center, and everybody is focused on Jesus. And this is the way that it's supposed to be set up. I gave a great funny story of, of how my kids have interacted with our nativity set, and it has taken a beating. We're missing some arms. Bless Joseph's heart, his head is gone. It's still there. It's just detached. Some angels are missing some wings, and nonetheless, it is one of the most important. We love that nativity. But what we explored that day was this process of how we do the exact same thing in our life. We move the pieces of the nativity around, and it's not that we're just discarding Jesus out of our life. Matter of fact, Jesus is still in our life. He's just not at the center. And at the center, we replace him with other things, and we put all of these different figures in the center and what they represent in our life. Matter of fact, the, most, the one that I got the most comment on is when I put Mary and Joseph in the center, and I gave you this statement, which was that so many people, you'll hear people say this, this line, which is, oh, family first. Family's the number one thing in my life. The only problem with that is your family can't be number one in your life until Jesus becomes the center of the family unit. Then we replace them and put things like the animals in there, and they represent our work, they represent our hobby, and things that just distract us, and in those seasons, Jesus gets out of the center, not number one in our life, and that becomes our focus. So that was the concept of this, this whole process of, man, as we look at to a new year, we just sang about in that song, God, I want to make you the center of my world. That's how it's supposed to be set up. That's the principle. Today, I want to give you part two of that message, which is the how. I don't know about you, but I love, you know, I love a good message, but I love when the pastor is practical. 
Anybody else like a practical message? Today's going to be a practical message for you because here's the thing is when Jesus is the center of your life, everything else comes into alignment. Everybody say everything. Everything comes into alignment. And a lot of people will say this, well, oh, yeah, God is 100%. He is a part of my life. The trouble with that is God doesn't want to be a part of your life. He wants to be the center of your life. He wants to be the center of when you wake up. He wants to be the center of, of when you're hanging out with your friends. He wants to be the center when you're playing sports. He wants to be the center of your life when you're going hunting, when you're on vacation, when you're in your job. You name it. Everybody say everything. He wants to be the center of everything in your world. God doesn't want to be just your Sunday God. He wants to be your everything God. The trouble is that we do such a good job of compartmentalizing and saying, okay, God, I need you in this area of my life. I want you in this area of my life. I need you to do major things, but I just need you to not touch this area. He wants to be our everything God. He wants to be first. He wants to be at the top of our list. He wants to be the priority in our life. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk to you about the power of the first. And this is a principle that runs quite literally from Genesis all the way through our entire Bible. Now, if you could take a look at my notes, the majority of what my week was, was eliminating verses that talk about this principle. And the verses that you're going to hear today is just a highlight of the most practical, the things that make this principle come alive, this principle of the first. Now, I said earlier this, that God wants to be the first in our life. Let me just show it to you in Scripture so it's not just me saying it. This is Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 through 3. Here's what it says. It says, and God spoke all of these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, who brought you out of the house of bondage. Another translation says, I brought you out of slavery. And because of that, here's what I need from you. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, what's interesting about this verse is he isn't even requiring us to only have him. Now, this isn't talking about other religions, but this is the little G gods that are in our life, the things that kind of make us who we are, our loves, our passion. And, and what he's saying, he says, I don't mind that you have these other things in your life that you love and that you're passionate about. I just require one thing. I need to make sure that the order is correct. He says, don't have any other gods before me. This is the principle of the first. Which, by the way, let me make sure you have this understanding. God's not doing anything that he didn't do for us already. I'll draw you back to the beginning of this verse. He says that he calls us out of Egypt. He calls us out of slavery. He calls us out of the bondage that's in our life. But it cost him something. It cost him his first and his best, and his name was Jesus. So he did it before he ever required it of us. So here's the question. How do we put God first? How do we get him to be the center, being the first of everything in our life? Here's a verse that I think wraps it up pretty easy in the most simple way that I can find. It comes out of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, and here's what it says. It says, honor God with, y'all can do a little better, honor God with everything you own. Give him your first and your best. 
So the way that we honor God, quite literally, by putting him first, we give God the first of everything we have. And I'm talking give him the first breath, give him the first thought, give him the first of our year, give him the first of our month, the first of our week, the first of our day, and the list goes on. And he's not even saying, hey, I need you to do nothing but think about me all day long. That's unreasonable. We still got to do things here on this earth. He's just asking for our first. So... Let's expand on this principle, and let me give you the first time that it's mentioned in Scripture. This comes out of Genesis chapter 4, and this is the story of Cain and Abel. Verse number 2, it says this, Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. So we got a rancher, and we got a farmer, okay? And here's what it says. It says, and in the process of time. Now another way to say that would be, eh, when I get around to it, like, I'm busy, I got a lot of stuff going on. In the process of time, when it's convenient for me, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. That sounds great, doesn't it? But notice that it doesn't say the first fruits. It's saying when it was convenient for Cain, when, when he could get around to it, when it made sense for his schedule. Let's see what Abel does. Abel also brought of the firstborn, everybody say first, of his flock and of his fat. And the Lord respected Abel and respected his offering. Notice this, that God didn't just respect Abel's offering, he respected him as a person as well. Let's see what he does to Cain. But he did not respect Cain and he did not respect his offering. You see, it's not that God would not accept Cain's offering. It's that he could not accept his offering. And it's really good for us to have this understanding that there are some things that God cannot do. Now, you might be thinking, Dave, he's God. He can do whatever he wants. No, matter of fact, he can't. Let me give you a few examples. First thing, uh, I did a couple for you. God can't sin. Scripture says he is the way, the truth, and the life. It's not in his DNA. He cannot lie. Another thing that God can't do is God can't change. This is called the immutability of God. If God could change, then he can get better, and he's perfect, so he can't change. How about this one? This one's a little bit more fun. God is never surprised. God's not up in heaven going, you know what, I just thought of something. Gabriel, get on over here. Just had a thought, never had it before. It doesn't happen, right? And the reason is because God is omniscient. If you break that word down, omni meaning all, science meaning knowledge, God is all knowledge. In fact, let me give you something as you're going through your devotions this week, and if you're anything like this, like me, You'll literally break a fuse really kind of thinking about this process, but God knows everything at the same time. What? Like, I, I can't even wrap my head around that. Like, I forgot what I did yesterday. I did this to help you understand why God couldn't accept Cain's offering. And here's the reason why, is God can never be second. This is called the preeminence of God, which means he's better than all. He's first of all. He's higher than all. He is the alpha and omega. It's the very reason why I think our scriptures, that our Bible starts off with these four famous words of in the beginning God. 
Wouldn't it be amazing if our life just represented the first four words? We could open up the Bible, read the first four words, close it, say amen, and live our life. Because if we lived our life that in the beginning, our marriage, it's going to be God-focused. In the beginning, our, our work habits. In the beginning, when I get that health scare. In the beginning, here's how my attitude's going to be. Man, there's a difference that when we have this God-centered, God-focused life, it just hits differently. So when Abel brought a first fruit offering, God is saying, I can accept that. But when Cain did not bring a first offering, it's not that he wouldn't, it's that he couldn't. And this is just one example. They're littered all throughout scriptures of the importance of the first and the best. But I want you to watch what happens when we begin to do this into our life. I already gave you Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, and what did it say? It gives us, it gives us this whole thing, this very simple thing of, hey, you want to know how to do this? You honor God with everything that you own. You give him your first and your best. And when you do this, watch the next verse. Verse number 10, put it up there. Then your barns will be full and your vats will overflow with fresh wine. Can I hear anybody that 2024, you want your life to sound like that? You see, many times throughout scripture, you're gonna see God do this little thing. And I like to point out principles for you so you begin to see them in other areas when you read the scripture. But there's this little thing that happens in scripture that if you do this, if your behavior looks like this, if your actions look like this, if you're led by a group of principles like this, if, then God does this in your life. If you put God first in your life, then God will bless the rest. God is saying in this verse, hey, I believe, I believe that you're going to put me first. Actually, here, I'll, I'll even tell you this. I believe that if we do this, I, 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 you can't convince me otherwise. I believe this is a word for you and I. If we truly get this principle, and I so desperately want you to do this. But I think he's saying, hey, put me first in your life and watch how involved I get. You and I will go further in every aspect of our life with God than you ever thought going by yourself. I desperately want you to get this concept. And honestly, that's my heart. You see, every job has frustrations that come with the job. Do they not? You get the frustrations of the job, okay? We've got a couple extra over here, right? <laughs> Here's the frustration of, of my job. Is watching people who settle for less. I, I, I just know too much. I know too much of what the promises of the scriptures say. And when I see people settling for a less than life... It breaks my heart, but it frustrates me to no end. You see, when I was working in guest services, one of the things, in, in matter of fact, I uh, was meeting with one of our, our uh, worship arts ministry people, and they actually said this, but I'm the kind of guy that if I'm in your life, I, don't, I just struggle with sweeping things under the rug. And so if I'm involved in your life and I see you acting less than, if I see you off of your A game, if I see you acting in a way that is a little bit abnormal, I can't just let it go. I bring you in or I, I talk to you or I call you and I just, I'm desperately wanting to, hey, what's going on in your life? What, what can I be agreeing with you on? What can I be praying with you on? We'll get a game plan. How nice would it be to have friends in your life who want the best for you and actually want you to succeed with no strings attached? 
And so this was a process that I would do in guest services because I just so desperately want the best for people and to see God operating in their life. But I was talking with one of the volunteers uh, here recently this past week, and we were going to my office to talk about some things. She goes, I kind of feel like I'm going to the principal's office. (laughs) And the reason I do that is this, is one, I want to honor their their privacy. But if we have a conversation anywhere on this campus, there's the possibility that there could be 15 other people that interrupt that process. And I want to have this conversation because I know the importance of what it's going to do in your life and how God can literally stop you in your tracks, do you a 180, and get going back on the path that he has for you. That was the visual that I got for this message, which is this. I don't want to just bring one person, but can I invite all of you? Can we invite the entire church into my office and let's have a conversation? Because some of these things that I'm going to get to tell you, some of them are going to be easy for you. There's going to be others that are going to hit you at the core of who you are, but I just so believe that God needs to get to who you are and the things that he needs to do work in your life. Amen? Now, before I get too much into this mess, I do want to be clear about something. Today's message has absolutely nothing to do with your salvation. You could not believe a single word that I say, and as long as you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, you are going to heaven. But I do want to say this, is that if you don't put God first in your life, you're not going to get the best of God in your life until you apply this principle. That's how important the principle of the first is not only to understand, but to implement into my life. And so here's what I want to do today. I'm going to very quickly go through four different areas of how do we put God first. Okay, I've given you the principle, but Dave, tell me how. What do I do? Give me the practical steps that I can walk out of this room and that I can put them in my life and I can see the fruit of my labor. Y'all down for that? Let's do it, okay? All right. All right, number one, here we go. Because here's the interesting thing before I give you the first one is this, is that You know, people will ask me this all the time around this time period of the year. They say, Dave, I I, I can't have another year like I just had. Uh, This year's got to be better. Can you give me any insight? How can I have a better year? And the way that we walk this out may be a little bit different for each of you individually, but the process is exactly the same. And this is my answer for every single one of you, which is this, is you will have the best year of your life if you make it the best year of your life spiritually. There's no other way. So let's get practical. Number one is this. Make God the first of your year with praying and fasting. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write that down. That's number one. If you're not taking notes, write it down anyway. Make God the first of your year with prayer and fasting. And this is exactly why we do 21 days of praying and fasting at this time period of the year. And here's essentially what is happening. What we're saying is I'm pushing the plate away. Many of you guys are doing a full fast. Some of you guys are doing a a partial fast. Other of you are doing a soul fast, which is pushing those things away that kind of distract us in life. Maybe it's social media, technology, news, whatever you're addicted to, whatever the case may be. But you're pushing those things away. And we're not just pushing food away for the heck of it. Okay, that's called a diet, and that just leaves all of us being frustrated because it doesn't work, right? No, this is different. See, we're pushing that away. We're, we're pushing away these innate desires inside of us, and in that place, what we're doing is we're saying, I'm seeking God. 
in those moments, I'm making a conscious decision to tell God this, which is, hey, God, you are important. I'm putting you first in my life. Now, bless Macy's heart, because 21 days of prayer every year falls right in the middle of her birthday. January 15th is her birthday, so you can pray for her on that whole process. I try to remind her that not many people get to fast during their, their birthday. <laughs> it goes over that well. But she is very clear to make sure it is known that when at the end of 21 days, the celebration feast meal that we have does not count for her birthday celebration. <laughs> we will do another one. Is that not right, baby? We're going to do it. But this is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was 30 years old. And scripture tells us of a few things that he did. One of the first things he does is he gets baptized. And immediately right afterwards, we see that he spends 40 days and 40 nights praying and fasting. He spent time praying and fasting before he ever preached the first message, before he ever prayed for someone, before he ever performed his first miracle, before he ever healed somebody, before he ever chose the first disciple, Jesus got away, spent time with the Father, he prayed, he fasted. Why? Because he knew the source of his strength. And don't you know that people needed prayer before he did this? Before he launched his ministry, there was people who needed to hear the message, people who needed to receive this miracle, but he had his priorities straight. In fact, scripture tells us about it in Acts chapter 10. Let me give it to you so you understand it. You know what happened throughout the providence of Judea, talking about this praying and fasting time period that Jesus just got back from, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. How many of you guys want God to be with you every step of the way in 2024? You see, what we see here is Jesus is tithing his time. We're tithing our time at the beginning of the year by participating in 21 days of prayer. And when we do this, God, just like he did with Jesus, blesses the rest of it. He anoints our life because God is with us. Now, if you're out here and you're like, Dave, I don't know how to fast, not a problem. Don't worry about it. We got you covered. First step I'll tell you to do is go look at Pastor Eddie's message last week. It was phenomenal. He talked about the different fasts that we can get into. We have resources online for you uh, at our church website. We have paper resources in the back if, you, if, you, if that's your style. Uh, if, if you want to talk to staff or any volunteers, we would, would love nothing more than, than to help you process and to get a game plan. But here is the important part. Start somewhere. Join us tomorrow right here at 6.30 in the morning. You don't have to know anything other than how to sit in that chair and God will take care of the rest. Number two, make God the first of your month with tithes and offering. Okay, when I look, there's a lot of scripture on this, but I, I found one that I, I, I think not only was so clear, but more poignant as it, as it pertains to the principle of the first. This is Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22. Here's what it says. If you ever wondered what the purpose of tithing is, here you go. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God what? First in your life. 
And this isn't something that we're asking you as a church to do without us believing in it as well. As a matter of fact, the first thing that we do, 10% of our budget goes to missions. Because we believe in the same principle. We want the church to be, as a matter of fact, one of the things that we're doing, and this is something that you can pray for, but me and a couple guys are getting ready to go down to uh, a place called Ishkalak, uh, and it's, it's a part of a group where, have you ever heard of the term UPGs? Uh, basically, it's a group of people, how many of you guys have ever heard of the 1040 window? Have I heard of that? So there's, there's unreached people groups, that's what UPG is. There's parts of our world where they're completely unreached, where the gospel has not come. This particular area that we're going to, it's an exploration trip because we want to see if there's a possibility where we can establish the first church in this area. It's an unreached people group. And it's amazing that over 95% of mission efforts misses this 1040 window. Only 3% of missions efforts go into this region of the world. And so we're going down there to hopefully have this exploration trip so you can be praying for favor that we can actually do something to where other parts of cathedral can go down there and bless this community. But it's important to us. And this isn't something that I'm asking you to do without me even believing it. From the age of 12, when I started earning money, it's something that I did because I saw my dad do the very same thing. Now, my, we did not grow up with much money. We had four kids who ate them out of house. And if my dad did anything with money, I knew it was a big deal. Every single week, I see him doing this, writing this check. So I know it's a big deal. When I was working in the restaurant industry, I had three piles of money when I would get home. I would open up the drawer, and the first thing that I would do is I would count 10%. I would put it in that first pile, and I would pray over that pile. Say, God, I, I, I bring this to you. God, would you not only bless my life, but, Father, would you bless this money to reach the kingdom of God? Lord, I, I, I combine my faith with the vision and mission of the church. God, would you bless these dollars? Would you extend these dollars? I had a second pile that I needed blessed as well. That was called the Macy Ring Fund. So I also put 10% in that one. So I said, Lord, you're blessing it. You're blessing the rest. I need you to bless this one because I got a, I got a lot of saving to do. And then the third pile was just the rest of the money that I had. And I would pray over each of these piles. And I, I, be, I really believe this, that God was helping me understand. I didn't know this verse but he was showing me the power of the principle of the first. Exodus chapter 23 first says this. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord. Don't you know that anytime you say the same thing within three words, it's important. He's really wanting us to understand. Hey, I understand there's a lot of things going on, but there's something important about it being the first. Now, this next verse that I'm going to give you is a popular verse as it pertains to giving. We hear it all the time. But now that we're talking about it, I want you to open up your ears and just hear the power of when we abide by the word of God. This is Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Bring it into the church that there may be food in my house. And he says, test us in this and see what happens. He says, I'll throw open the floodgates of heaven. Exactly the same thing that Doug just told us and prayed over in our life. And we'd be happy right there. How many of you guys want the floodgates of heaven to open up in your life? But see, that's not only the beginning for God. God's getting, just getting started when we do this because he says, not only are you going to not have enough room for it, but I will prevent the pest from devouring your crops. I don't know about you, but I want 2024 where the enemy can't touch me. I want 2024 to be a year where the enemy can't touch my household, can't touch my kids, can't touch my wife, can't touch this church, can't touch you. Two people don't want their friends. 
Let's go. He ain't done yet. Because not only is the, the enemy not going to be able to touch you, but he's also going to have the vines of your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. How many times do we think we know the plans of God, but yet God just sits up there and laughs? <laughs> Good try. But even there, there's protection because he says, even though you may not know, I'm working some other things. I'm opening doors on your behalf. And don't worry about your fruit. All the hard work and all that labor that you put into it, it'll be ripe in the moment that I need it to be ripe for you. My gosh, I want you so desperately to get this principle of the first. You know, that there's a, there's a saying, and I'm sure many of you guys have heard it. How many of you guys have heard, you can lead a horse to a trough, but you can't drink for him? Guys, I'm leading you to the trough, and I'm even scooping up some water, and I'm, please take a drink. I, and my hope and my goal today is you get thirsty. That you, you, that you hear so much of what God, I so desperately want you to understand this principle that he has for you because he has so much more for you. Number three, make God the first of your week with church. Okay, this is another thing that Jesus did in scripture and by now I hope you're understanding this process. I'm not just showing you the things that Jesus says for us to do in scripture. We're looking at his actions so this is another one of those action steps that we see. This is Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Here's what it says. He went to Nazareth. That was simply just his hometown. This is where he was raised. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, went to the church, as was his custom. Okay, so every single week, his habit is this, that on the Sabbath day, he would go to church. Now, for us today in our society, that day most typically falls on a Sunday. However, I want to hone in on this word Sabbath. Because Sabbath isn't something that's wildly popular in our day today. As a matter of fact, it's, it's practiced hardly none in our lives. But I believe it's something that we need to reclaim. And so I want to describe it to you just a little bit. You see, because the Bible doesn't say, hey, give God an hour of your day on Sunday. He's saying, God, God is telling us through the actions of Jesus and through other areas of the Bible that talks about the importance of a Sabbath, that I want you to take a Sabbath day. How many hours are in a day? 24 hours. I want you to have a Sabbath day that is holy, that is set apart. It's a day that's set apart. It's a day of rest. For me... My Sabbath day is not Sunday. This is a work day for me. I'm exhausted by the time I get home. It, it's a work day, just like a, it is for a Tuesday for you, okay? But for me and Macy, our Sabbath day is Friday. Now, for those who know me, they know I protect Fridays with everything that I have. I don't get religious with it. Sure, things happen. We can do certain things. But if, with it, if it's within my abilities, and so I just kind of want to walk through what my Friday looks for you, so you have this understanding of what a Sabbath day can look like. Now, the first thing that we're going to do is, I still got four kids, they still got to go to school. So we got to get them up, we got to get them rolling, we get them to school, and on the way back, I pray and thank God for the time that I'm getting ready to have without them while they're at school. <laughs> first thing I do, the weather is beautiful right now, me and my wife love having coffee on our back porch. I can guarantee you at 8 o'clock where you're going to find me is on my back porch and just having a great time with Macy. I'm purposely slowing down. I'm purposely resting. 
And what we're doing is we're having a conversation. I'm getting back into her world. She's getting back into my world. We begin to talk about how did the week go? What did we like? What did we not like? What worked? What didn't work? What does our week look like ahead? How can we stay on, on target for the things that we feel like God is calling us to? We are purposely slowing things down. As it gets to about lunchtime, then something that Jesus did quite frequently throughout Scripture is he was really good at eating. I personally feel like it's a gift of mine. And I also like being a tourist in my own city. I think we live in one of the greatest cities in the world, and I don't say that just flippantly. I do believe it. I love Charleston, and so we will find a restaurant that we love to go eat at. If we've never been to it, even better. But we purposely slow down and do that same process. It's a Sabbath, and I encourage you to do the same thing. For most of you, it's going to be today. It's going to be Sunday. Make Sunday your Sabbath. How do I do that? Don't miss church. Don't have an easy excuse of I'm tired or something. Don't miss. It was Jesus' custom. He made a habit of it, and because of it, it was blessed. Don't miss church. And when you're here, give them everything you got. Don't come here and be in the building, but don't realize that you were never at church. I see it on the faces sometimes. I'm guilty of it myself. It's an action step that we have to be purposeful about. Engage in worship. It's amazing what the presence of God can do to your situation. You can feel stressed out. You get into the presence like we just did, and all of a sudden it feels a little bit smaller because you can go a lot further with God than you can ever go by yourself. And then when you get home, take you a Sabbath nap. It is holy and you're going to love it. Amen? But then when you get up, don't rush into distraction again. Don't jump. Facebook is going to be there Monday. Insta is going to be there Monday. TikTok is for sure going to be there on Monday. Netflix ain't going nowhere. And it's fine if you want to do some of those things, but not without having the priority set. Take the time to reflect. Take the time to plan. Take the time to give your, the ability to focus on the things that God is laying on your heart. Jesus did this. It was his custom. It was his habit. Why don't you try and see if it works in your life? I promise you, if you go all in, the play works. Last one. Make God first of your day with devotions. Uh, we worked for the year, we worked through the month, we worked through the, the week. Now we're here at the day. How do we put God first daily? We do this with devotions. And I just want to make sure you heard me clearly. I didn't say all day. Okay? Just the first part. So again, let's turn to Jesus as our example. Let's follow his habits, okay? This is Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he? Let's look at David. He's one of the heroes of our faith. Psalms chapter 5, verse 3. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice, and in the morning I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. Another verse in Psalms chapter 19. There's, there's hundreds of these. I rise early before the sun is up. I cry out for help, and I put my hope in your words. 
You see, God loves to hear from you. He loves to spend time, and I'm sure he would love as much time as you want to give it all throughout your day. But I do believe, based off of what we read in Scripture, there is something special about the first part of your day. You say, well, Dave, I'm not a morning person. I don't care when you wake up. I'm just talking about the first thing you do when you wake up. Uh, a few years back, I was really convicted about my devotion time. Uh, I found out that uh, when you start having kids, your time leaves you. I didn't realize how selfish I was with my time. Like, if I wanted to do something, I did it, right? And then I started having kids and realized, oh, you can't do it anymore, right? Now, if you know me, my personality is I love to get very detailed in my uh, devotions. I love diving into the scripture. I love tearing them apart, making it as easy as possible. And if it's not uncommon for it to do a 40, 50. If I really like the con- I'll be in there for a couple hours if I really like the topic. But uh, the more kids I had, especially after I had twins, forget it. I mean, I was, I was lucky if I said hey to Jesus for a time period there, right? I couldn't even see left from right. It was a crazy time period. But I started really being convicted about this whole process, and I was doing a devotion one morning, and I remember the Lord speaking to me, saying these words. Dave, I can do the same thing in five minutes that you think can happen in 50. And maybe you find yourself in a season like that where all you got is five minutes, all you got is 10, maybe you got 15. Fantastic. Meet God exactly, and I'll tell you, in this season, I've been doing that for over six years now, because apparently kids don't go anywhere. You're stuck with them. <laughs> time is hard, but I've learned more in my devotion time only spending a few minutes than I ever did in those hour-long sessions, because Scripture actually has this neat thing that when we meditate on the Word day and night, it hits differently. He reveals different things. So maybe the first five minutes, you get that verse. One verse, simply that. And that's okay, that's great. He's got a lot of, of power in just one scripture. Maybe the next five minutes, you put on your favorite worship song, right? Maybe in the last five minutes, you pray for five minutes and thanking him for all the things that he's doing in your life and how you're hearing him during these 21 days. Five, five, and five. I promise you, run the play. It will change your Day, it'll change your week, it'll change your month, it'll change your year. Listen to me say this one more time. You will have the best year of your life if you make it the best year of your life spiritually. Your life, my life, will be marked by God's anointing in favor if we make him what? First. And let me just say this, Uh, one of the things that I do is I look out, and and I'm no expert, okay, but one of the things, I I try to get uh, an expectation of what the year brings, okay, I'm sure y'all do this in some form or fashion, but I'm looking to get an expectation, what is 2024 going to bring? Now, let me remind you, I am no expert, so say what I say, take what I say with a grain of salt, okay, but as I look out of the landscape of 2024, I don't think it's going to be easy street, Okay, let me give you just a few areas. I'll give you three of them, okay? Let's take a look at the economy. Our economy is not that great right now, okay? We're having a little bump in, in, in interest rates, so we're getting a lot more buying power if you're interested in the house. Fantastic. But this nation has never experienced more credit card debt in the history of the world. 
Just last quarter, we increased our credit card debt as a nation by $48 billion with a B. People are bleeding. People are hurting. The economy has a long way to go. Look at my corndog budget for my kids, and you'll tell. Okay? It seems like this world is specializing in wars, and I don't think that's going anywhere. The closer we get to end times and the more that I read my Bible, the more that I believe that wars are going to continue, I think it's going to be a part of it. Did I forget to tell you that we're in a presidential cycle this year? And they love to speak so nicely to each other and bring the country together. And it's just going to be a kumbaya moment this year. I know it is. But it leaves you wondering, is this world going to be shaky this year and is it going to affect me? Listen, I'm an eternally optimistic guy, but here's what I felt like the Lord kind of put into my life because I believe that even though in the midst of an uncertain, shaky world, we're going to see God do more things in our life that we've never seen before. I actually believe that we are going to see more miracles in our life, and I'm speaking to you directly. I think you are going to see more miracles in your life than you've ever experienced. And I'm not, I am talking about the big miracles that we see in Scripture. Fantastic. You're going to see healings, you're going to see restoration, you're going to see breakthrough, you're going to see all those things, but your washing machine ain't also going to break. Little things in your life. He's going to show up in ways that when we put God at the center of our life, alignment happens. The only difference is the more close we get to God, the more we don't know what an aligned life looks like. And it's so fun to discover it in our life. Because he never stops. It's just the tip of the iceberg. But here's a verse that I want to give you because I think we're going to see things and have things happen in your life that you say, only God. Only God could have made that possible. Here's a verse that I want to give you just because maybe you can make it as a part of your, your year this year as well. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 27. It says this. This means that all creation will be shaken and removed. Those things that I just talked about, this world can be shaky those things can be removed. But look at this last sign, so that only unshakable things remain. Everybody say unshakable. I wonder if this is a year that no matter what happens in your life, you remain unshakable. That's what God wants for you. The more we align with God, the more our life becomes unshakable. Let me end with this last example. It's a story of our life in five chapters. Every single one of us. Five chapters. Chapter one. I went out for a walk. I fell into a deep, dark hole. It took me a long time to get out. Chapter two. I went out for a walk. I fell into the same deep, dark hole, and it took me a long time to get out. And I, I've heard this story over and over and over. Chapter three, I went out for a walk and this time I saw the hole, but I got too close and I fell into it and it took me a long time to get out. Chapter four, I went out for a walk and this time I saw the hole and I walked around it. All right, we're learning, we're getting better. Chapter five. I went down a different street. Maybe this is a year that we do something different. 
Maybe this is a year we, we actually make God the center of our life. Maybe this is a year that we don't give into the same fears, the same anxieties, because we serve a God that's above all of those things. Maybe this is the year that he shows up and has favor in our life, gives us an anointing to operate. Maybe this year is the year that we walk down a different street and watch how God gets involved in your life. Stand to your feet. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this amazing year. Lord, we know that we're standing before you in your presence, which means you're not done with us. We're still breathing, and we know that you've got a plan and a purpose for our life. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, would you bless every single person in this room? Would we consciously make a decision to put you first in our life? And that as we make you the center of our life, that we see your favor, your covering, your protection, how you devour the pest, how you keep our fruit ripe at the right time, Father. Everything that these people need in this congregation and online, if you hear me, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, would you come alive? Would you repeat after me? Put your hands in front of me. Lord Jesus, I give you this year. I make it the best year of my life because I'm going to give it to you spiritually. Protect me. Would you bless this year in Jesus' name? Amen, amen. Lord bless you guys. Happy New Year to you. We'll see you tomorrow morning, and I'll see you on Wednesday for worship. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.